Please listen carefully. Salutations, toppers, and welcome to episode 28 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. If you're listening to this episode the day it dropped, then it's the first day of 2018. So, Happy New Year! I figured since today was the first day of the new year, we should do a theme all about firsts and starting things and things changing and other similar sayings. We'll also look at the reason why people make New Year's resolutions and just how long they've been doing it. So, without further ado, let's get going and start off this new year with today's phrases, origins, history, and more. The first phrase I want to look at today is the proverb, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. This phrase is usually used to tell someone that if they weren't successful at something the first time they tried it, it's okay because they can try again. It's used to encourage people who feel as if they failed, or perhaps to encourage someone to try to accomplish something, because it lets them know that it's okay to fail as long as they keep trying. This saying has been traced back to the early 14th century, and the man who was thought to have first uttered it was Robert the Bruce, the King of Scotland from 1306 until he died in 1329. The story behind the saying goes like this. During the First War of Scottish Independence, Robert the Bruce was hiding in a cave, though some sources say it was a rickety hut. Wherever he was hiding, he was lamenting the six battles he had already lost to the English. While wondering if the lost lives and the families who were torn apart were worth all the lost battles, he noticed a spider trying to spin a web, and failing. The little demon, sorry, I mean arachnid, was trying to swing itself from one beam to another, but kept falling short. After six failed attempts, the same number of failed battles Robert the Bruce had been through, he said to himself that if the spider made it on the seventh try, he would go to battle again. The spider swung yet again from the beam it was on to the other, and this time managed to land on the other beam and secure the first strand of its web, which it then continued to build. This inspired the saying that Robert the Bruce used to encourage his men to keep fighting. After another eight years of fighting, the Scottish were able to win the war. The saying became popular when William Hickson, a British educational writer, put it in his book, The Teacher's Manual, being an exposition of an efficient and economical system of education suited to the wants of a free people, which came out in 1840. He included the following longer version of this saying, quote, "'Tis a lesson you should heed. Try, try, try again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again." End quote. While this may not be the first time it appeared in writing, since the exact first usage is disputed, it's definitely the most well-known from around the time it first began appearing in print, and it led to the saying being much more widespread. Now let's roll on over to the next phrase of the day, to get the ball rolling. This saying means to start something, or more exactly, to set something in motion. The general consensus for where this idiom comes from is the game of croquet. To start a game of croquet, one player must hit their ball with the mallet and literally get the ball rolling. As many other phrases have done, this literal phrase managed to warp into a figurative one. No one seems to know exactly when it showed up for the first time in print idiomatically, but 
As far as for when it gained popularity, we can look at the year 1840, specifically the U.S. presidential election of that year. This election is thought to have been the launching point for many modern-day election tactics, like advertising slogans, campaign songs, and publicity stunts, to name a few. However, it's also known for making the idiom to get the ball rolling more popular. During the election, incumbent President Martin Van Buren was up against the Whig candidates General William Harrison and John Tyler. These two Whig candidates created the first-ever campaign slogan, which was Tippecanoe and Tyler too. They had a song by the same name that was thought to have helped Harrison win the election. Don't worry, toppers, I'm not going to sing it, but I will read a small snippet. Quote, Don't you hear from every quarter, 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 good news and true, that swift the ball is rolling on for Tippin' Canoe and Tyler too. End quote. Now, the ball referred to in this little ditty were victory balls, which were large globes around 10 feet in diameter made from tin and leather. These large victory balls were pushed from campaign rally to campaign rally. The people who would show up to support Harrison were encouraged to help roll the ball to the next town, chanting all the way about how they needed to keep the ball rolling. In effect, this helped to get the ball rolling on Harrison's presidency, and because of this, it led to the saying becoming much more popular. Now, let's start off on the right foot. This idiom means to have a good start to something. To really study the phrase, though, we need to look at both the right foot and wrong foot versions of the saying, because their origins are intertwined. Obviously, to start off on the wrong foot means that something didn't begin well. The idea behind these two ways of starting something can be traced back to ancient Greece. Way back then, left was considered to be associated with evil, negative things. The Romans ran with this idea, as for them, the word for left was sinister, and it meant harmful, adverse, and other similar bad things. However, as there often is, there's another believed origin out there that people like to talk about. The other main school of thought has to do with the military, specifically how they march. Since they march in sync, they must all start off on the same foot so they won't mess up the rhythm. Therefore, they literally start marching on the right foot, which helps lead to a successful march. We first see this show up in print in 1590 in Plain Persil, The Peacemaker of England, written by Richard Harvey, an English astrologer, theologian, and controversialist. In this work, he wrote, quote, Thou puttest the wrong foot before, end quote. So, whether this idiom truly gets its start from the old-timey times of long-ago Greece, or just describes the best way for many men to march as one, this phrase seems to be on the right path to stick around for a long time. Now let's explore the fat lady, who she is, and why she's singing. Okay, first, let's define this idiom. If someone says it's not over until the fat lady sings, then they mean that something may appear to be over, but that no outcome is guaranteed until something is truly over. It's commonly used to motivate people who may not think they stand a chance to win something by reminding them to keep going because nothing is set in stone until the final second of competition has ticked away or until a project is completed. Now, as for who the fat lady is and why she's singing, we need to go to the opera, specifically the German opera. There's a four-part German opera called The Ring Cycle that takes over 14 hours to perform. The last opera in the bunch is Richard Wagner's Güterdämmerung, which premiered on August 17th of 1876. 
At the end of this particular part of the four-part series, the character of Brunhild comes out on stage to sing a 10-minute solo, which ends the 14-hour show. Brunhild was always a robust woman who wore lots of clothing to make her look even bigger, and so the show literally was not over until the fat lady had sung. Now, there is some debate as to if this is truly the origin of the phrase, since when the phrase starts showing up in print, it was always used as a reference to American sports. The two main sports-related people thought to have coined the phrase are the United States sports commentator Dan Cook and the baseball player and manager Yogi Berra. The reason some people think it was Dan Cook is because he said, quote, the opera ain't over till the fat lady sings, end quote, during a basketball game he was commentating on in 1978. Yogi Berra is thought to have said, quote, the game isn't over till it's over, end quote. He was saying this about the 1973 National League pennant race. While it can't be proven if either of them is really the first one to say it or not, the popularity of both men means that them saying it helped to make the idiom more popular. There's actually one more sports-related theory for where this idiom came from, and it's the singer Kate Smith who is well known for her renditions of God Bless America. She started recording back in 1926 and was able to go professional in 1930. She has a popular quote, I'm big and I sing, and boy, when I sing, I sing all over. End quote. In 1943, she sang her ever-popular God Bless America in the film This is the Army, and she remained an active performer until 1976. Now, this theory is skating on thin ice because it comes from a tradition of the Philadelphia Flyers hockey team playing her version of the song before every game for good luck, and therefore it has nothing to do with something being over. Now, I hear the fat lady singing because that's all I got on this phrase. So now, let's look into why people make New Year's resolutions. The tradition of making a New Year's resolution can be traced all the way back to around 2000 BC. Around that time, the ancient Babylonians were holding what is the earliest recorded New Year celebrations. However, back then, the New Year started around the end of March, during the first new moon that came after the spring equinox. Their 11-day celebration was called the Akitu Festival and was dedicated to the rebirth of their sun god Marduk. Even though it was his party, the Babylonians would spend the festival making promises to not just him, but to all of their gods, all in an attempt to make sure the gods weren't mad at them so they'd have a good new year. Now we need to jump ahead to around 150 BC. The calendar at that point was no longer matching up with the sun, and Julius Caesar needed a new New Year's Day. After talking with some people who understood math and the stars really, really well, the Julian calendar was born, which is similar to our modern-day Gregorian calendar. They named the month of January after the mythical Roman god Janus. He had two faces, one that looked forward and another that looked backwards. These two opposing faces gave him the ability to see both the past and the future, because he could look forwards and backwards through time. Because of this, on January 1st, the Romans would think about Janus looking back at the past and ahead at the future, and it became symbolic for them. They would make resolutions for the new year coming up and to forgive people for past troubles. The other side of this was that the Romans would ask Janus to forgive them for their own misdeeds during the previous year and offer up gifts and promises in the hopes that he would bless them in the new year. 
And now, before the year gets too old, let's move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. For the metaphorical moment today, we're going to look at two closely related phrases, to turn over a new leaf and to start with a clean slate. If you're turning over a new leaf, then you're making a change or starting something over with the intention to do it better this time around. To start off with a clean slate means to put something negative behind you and start over, or to forgive someone and move on anew. The origin of turning over a new leaf being a metaphor for a fresh start comes from old-timey times when pages in a book were called leaves. When you turn a page in a book, you have a new one, so you have turned a new leaf and can start reading again. To start with a clean slate comes from the part of old-timey times when children in schools wrote on small boards made of slate instead of paper. They did this because they could wipe the slate clean and write on it again, which was much cheaper than buying paper they could only use the one time. No one really seems to know exactly when either of these phrases might have first been used metaphorically in print, but it was likely around the same time they began being used metaphorically. Let's move on to today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, I've got the book open to a page of Arthur Schopenhauer's work. And before I read the quote, there's a footnote on this page that says, Schopenhauer was furious and refused to pay his debts to anyone who spelled his name with a double P. Spell this guy's name right or he won't pay you. Anyway, the quote I've landed on is from Studies in Pessimism on the Sufferings of the World. And the quote is, A certain amount of care or pain or trouble is necessary for every man at all times. A ship without ballast is unstable and will not go straight. Okay, Schopenhauer, that's a pretty good quote. Thank you for giving us today's familiar quotation. Okay, toppers, that's all I've got for episode 28. Thank you for joining me again to turn some phrases. I hope you enjoyed the episode and that you learned something along the way. Check out my show notes to find out all of my social media, contact, and sponsor information. Remember that you can send me topic suggestions, and if you do, let me know if you want a shout-out or if you want to remain anonymous. If you had a good time listening today, please consider subscribing to the show or leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thanks again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, hosted, and produced by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, may your new year be blessed, joyful, and full of phrases. Hey, toppers, I know no one likes ads, but I do need to pay the bills real quick. And even though the show's technically over, I thank you for sticking around for just a few more seconds. If you go to the support the podcast page on my website, turnofphrases.com, you can see the offers I currently have available to you as a topper from Audible, BossBoxes, and Amazon. The offers do change, so make sure you check back from time to time. Okay, I'll let you go now. 
Thanks for listening.